Welcome back to First Responders Bridge, the podcast. This week, Noah and I are joined by Chad Campisi. He's a police officer in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. Chad's the author of the book, Confession of a Christian Fraud, where he discusses how seeing bad things happen to good people made him start questioning his faith. You're listening to First Responders Bridge, the podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Chad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Hey, man, I appreciate the invite. We are so hyped to uh, dive into your book and learn more about what you had to write in, in, your, in your journey there. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your family. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, so I am currently a police officer. Uh, actually, Saturday, I uh, hit my 20 years. So I've been a cop for 20 years. Uh, I started out Clinton Township in Columbus about a year. Uh, part-time there. Went to Marion, Ohio for about four, and uh, now I work at a suburb in Columbus just outside for the last 15. Uh, I got three kids, two boys, one daughter, with them out in Johnstown, and a wife that's a nurse. All cops and nurses apparently go together. That's <laughs> That seems to be the, the trend. I don't know why exactly, but... Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, before you decided to go into law enforcement, you went to culinary school and you were going to oh, be a chef. Yeah. So tell us how that transition happened, how you got from there to law enforcement. Oh, man. Um, so surprisingly, I, I would never have seen myself be a cop, to be quite honest. I did some things in high school, and I think my license was suspended about six months after I got it. Uh, so that was not a radar thing for me. Um, I was going to culinary school in Columbus State here in Columbus. Um and it sucked, man. It was horrible. It, uh, I thought it'd be cool to cook for people, but man, eight hours on a line and in the summertime and the kitchen heat and just cooking with consistent tickets and craziness and servers, and it was a mess. So actually, the, the cat that I was working with um, on the line, he looked at me one day when it was kind of chaotic uh, and said, you know, this sucks, man. I said, yeah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He said, hey, my buddy is a cop. We should, uh, we should look into that. I was like, eh, why not? So I, you know what, I, I decided to do a ride along with uh, Columbus PD, and I did one in Whitehall, um, and that was that was it. That was awesome for me. That was like being in a TV show, Cops, and front and center, and it was awesome. I jumped right in, and uh, Columbus State had a police academy there, so I just transitioned from the culinary to that in Columbus State, and uh, the rest is history, man. Here I am now. That's that, awesome. That's that pretty hooks easy a lot thing. of us. Yeah. Yeah. That, that hooks a lot of us. Um, do you currently work in patrol, and is that where you've been throughout your career? Uh, so I was in patrol for 15 years. Uh, currently, I'm an SRO, school resource officer, uh, and that has has changed my life tremendously for the good. So that was something I needed to do in kind of 14 to 15 years in to get out and, and do something a little more positive. But yeah, I've been a school resource, school resource officer now for about five. That's awesome. You have an opportunity to shape shape a lot of people's lives in that role. Yeah, man. I mean, if you look at patrol officers, you know, year year seven or eight, they start going to the negative, getting cynical, and and that kind of thing with that police identity kicking in. Um, and I, I saw that myself a big time. Um, and going to the schools, you know, it's where the street is ninety percent negative most of the time and ten percent positive. The schools are, man. I mean, ninety percent positive. 10% negative. You're just there to, to build relationships with kids and high fives and hugs, as I call it, get made fun of, but that's all right. Um, and it's just a, a great environment to be in and kind of change, change your view on society a bit from being in the patrol world for so long. That's cool that they're able to uh, see that in you, right? I, I think I love the idea of school resource officers and having them there so the kids can interact with them on a daily basis. So it builds that trust and allows kids to understand them and 
have yeah. that relationship, right? Can you uh, share a little bit with us, I guess we're going to dive right into it, um, your journey to Christianity? Oh, man. Um, it's kind of general, I know. Yeah, it's very general. Um, Get you to talk a little bit. Well, so as far as the, the Christian world, and I'm excited that I have a, a pastor sitting across from me here, um, as far as the Christian world goes, I guess for me there's there's two different types, um, two different sections that I would say I was a Christian from, you know, my parents take you to church, and you kind of grow up in that, and you, you say the right things and say the prayers and do the stuff and go to church on Sunday, and kind of cultural Christianity, if that makes sense. Um, so as far as that goes, that's been my upbringing, uh, but as far as... Uh, kind of the Christianity that you really dig into in Scripture, um, you know, dying to self, following Christ, being led by the Spirit, that kind of thing. I would say that's just been a transition for the last probably maybe two, three, maybe four years as a stretch. I don't know. You'd have to ask my wife. She uh, she could probably see that in me and, and tell you when that kicked in, but it's uh, it's been quite a change, um, and hopefully for the better. I'm uh, I'm really excited to dive into your book because you talk about a lot of these things. And in your book, Confessions of a Christian Fraud, you talk about how every Sunday that you would go to church and when people would ask, hey, how are you doing, Chad? How, how's your day? And you would say, I'm good or I'm fine, right? Pretty oh, simple. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a guy thing. I think we do that a lot, but especially when we're trying to cover up how we're really feeling. So I think a lot of us can relate to that. But how now that you've had time to reflect on that, how would you say that you were really feeling at that time? Like what, what were the feelings that you were really feeling at that time? when you were covering those? Um, you know, as far as church goes, as far as work goes, as far as life goes, I mean, we all do that. It, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm great. We never really get into the, the deep stuff. Um, <clears throat> but as far as being in church and I, I, uh, getting into faith, I, I would sit with my wife, with my kids in church, I think, during the, again, with, with where the book goes, is during that kind of downfall and, and questioning the faith. And I... To be very honest, I don't think I've ever told my wife this, but I would sit there and I would listen to her, you know, singing and listen to the pastor and the church would be in children or the kids would be in children's church. Uh, and I, I'd probably say that I, I would look around at people and think, man, this this might be a bunch of bullshit. Like I might be just duped and being doing this for no reason. And it, is there really a God? Is this really legit? Is is anybody as they seem? Because, you know, I would see people and I know quite a bit of church people outside of church and the Sunday service, the Sunday facade, if you will, is not the Monday person that they are. And it certainly wasn't for me either. I was just as, as guilty as anybody else. So I, I struggled with that. I thought maybe this was just a bunch of bullshit. And I had, I forget my language. I'm sorry. No, um, that's just my, that's just honestly what I was thinking. Uh, and it was, it was a, a difficult time as I tried to process that, I guess. And I'm glad you bring that up because that's something that we try are trying to change right in the culture and the church, the idea of don't just live it on Sunday and put on a happy face and then leave and go out your week, right? We're, we want to train people to go and then live it out, right? Don't, don't just learn about it and then forget about it at the door, but take it and go apply it every day to your life. So that way, you know, you can have an influence on people, right? And get people yeah. in the door and then keep people coming in the door because the message is good news, right? Well, and, you know, as far as applying it and learning it, there's also the part of being led by the Spirit of God and being connected to God and having Him kind of lead you from the inside out. And I, I was severely lacking or missing missing that altogether, to be honest. I knew the, I mean, I, you know, you go to my house and you look at my bookshelves and I've got books on apologetics and theology and doctrine. And, and I, I could recite that back to you, you know, and, and tell you why I believe what I believe and what the basis is for it. But I couldn't tell you that I could actually listen to God and have Him lead my life. So mm. that's where that, we talked about that transition a little bit ago, last 
three, four years or whatever, and that's where that kind of switch has come in from less from a legalistic perspective and more to, hey, I can actually hear God tell me what to do. And I, I know that sounds crazy for a lot of people, but in talking to other people, it, it seems to be the case for some others as well. Do you um, do you think in this podcast we talk a lot about um, about our careers, um, not just as law enforcement officers, but first responders? And we talk about um, you know we've heard about specific inc- incidents in people's careers. And we've heard about um, continued uh, trauma that we see and experience regularly in this career. Uh, for you, do you think it um, was a culmination? Of experiences, or is there something that stands out to you that brought you to this point? Did you what? I guess my question is, what made you reflect upon where you were at then, uh, as opposed to where you're at now? Um, I would say, you know, I don't have, I don't have those stories that a lot of guys, especially at the bridge that I help out, but that I used to help out with. My kids have killed my schedule here recently, but. You know, those, you'll sit down with guys in a, in a round table or in a one-on-one, and they'll tell you about the traumatic shooting they were in, the traumatic injury that they had um, that really changed their perspective. And I have my stories, but I don't have that that traumatic story that just cracked my world. Um, it was really just, they talk about, you know, death from a thousand paper cuts. Um, and I was, you know, year, again, we talked about year seven, eight in patrol. I, I just started noticing changes in myself, changes in the way I was treating my family, um, my wife, and my home life was going downhill pretty effectively and quickly. Um, and then we go to church on Sunday and tell everybody, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. I go to work. I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's fine. You know, meanwhile at home, the wife and I weren't talking. We're roommates in the house. We're dealing with kids and I'm dealing with kids in, in negative ways and probably, you know, yelling when I shouldn't just finding this anger that I didn't know was there. Um, and, and that went on for a couple of years before I decided like something, something has got to change and I don't know why this is going on, but something has changed in me and I, I, I can't figure it out. Can you see a difference in yourself now as opposed to then? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, it was, I can't tell you the exact years of that, but there was a point when I decided, Hey, we as men are prideful. We as cops um, are probably 10 times more prideful than, than that. And I, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't talk to anybody about it, didn't ask any questions. So I thought it would be great if I just went back to school to get my Christian counseling degree to figure it out for myself. So I actually spent uh, four years getting a bachelor's in Christian counseling. Um, and also at that time, I was turned on to the Gil Martin book. Uh, and I, I read that book. And I was just like, apparently this is a thing, that this happens to everybody and every police officer and first responder, that that downhill trend and um, life situation just is, is kind of a regular occurrence. And it just, it, the light switched on in my head and I, I realized looking back, I started to see and pay attention to what I was doing and why I was doing it. And, uh, I think I'm out of that now. You'd have to talk to my wife. Maybe when you don't have a guest, sometimes she can come in and talk. I don't think she would, but you never know. <laughs> um, but I, th- yeah, I think it's, it's definitely much better at this point. You know, you mentioned that, um, and, and I know a lot of officers that they can't put their finger on one specific incident, um, but you, you mentioned you're reading my mind, uh, the Gil Martin book. Um, and, you know, we, when we have that uniform and badge on, we're at such a level of hypervigilance, um, regardless of what we experience. And um, I do think it has an impact on, um, you know, I always say what happens at home affects you at work and what happens at work affects you at home. Um, 
And, you know, when you're wearing that badge and that uniform, you have to take charge. You're expected to take charge. And sometimes it's, it's hard to turn that off when you get home. Um, I applaud you for um, recognizing that and realizing um, with your children and your wife that you can't talk to them like that. Yeah, man. Uh, to put it very frank, though, just to get this out of the way, I, I don't think that it was me recognizing that. I think it had a lot to do with uh, just the Spirit of God finally kicking my ass and telling me, look, this cannot be like this. And with the situation I talk about in the book that I had, um, there just came a point where it's like the next day and every day forward from there, I was called on the carpet for everything I did, like bad decisions, when I would start yelling, when I would start getting angry, when I would have expectations of my family that I knew um, why, like, why do you care that this is how this goes or if this, it, it makes no difference. I was, like you said, I could not turn the job off where we're taught, you know, you will win, you are the best, you are, you know, so strive for excellence in everything you do. And I just took that home. My kids, you know, you will strive for excellence. And it, just the way I treated them and the way I treated my wife was not good. Um, and, but during that change, it just, every time I did that, called me, this, this, this matters at work. Yes. Between those punch in the clock, punch out of the clock hours, this matters. When that, when you get in the car, it's done. That will kill all your relationships at home, will kill relationships with your family, with your friends, anything outside. Um, and I'm just thankful that that God opened my eyes to that and, and continually, continually, even today, calls me on the carpet for, I, I, I kid you not, everything. It's like, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not going that way. That was stupid. You need to change that. You probably should apologize for that. It just, I can't turn it off. It's It gets annoying at times, to be honest. So you, could you see these changes from your family, like how it was affecting them and how your your behavior was affecting, you know, them? Did did you start to see that in them and how they were acting towards you a little bit? Uh, what do you mean sp specifically? Like, like the way you were acting towards them, your behavior, the yelling. Could you start to notice differences in how they yeah. respond to you? And Well, yeah. I mean, there it used to be, and they, <clears throat> they didn't say this in so many words, but you can tell, I mean cops we we don't pay attention to what you say we pay attention to what you do your body language mm. how you look your reactions and it used to be i could tell when dad came home it was like okay let's go find something else to do and kind of stay away from him and let's do some other things and um it just you could tell that that they had changed in that way and it was better to stay away than it was to to hang out with dad because dad had some expectations and some rules and things that we certainly don't understand but for some reason he wants us to do these things and yeah Chad, there's a uh, there's a story in your book where you talk about a suicide that you responded to and how God really opened your eyes through that, right, through interactions that you had on that call. Could you tell us a little bit about how God used that event in your life to help you and eventually your family uh, through through the book? Yeah, so that, that was kind of that light bulb switch moment for me. Um, it would have been, I want to say, probably seven or eight years, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. It was a while. Um, I went on a call second shift. There was a teenager who had taken his life, um, hung himself in a closet and responding to that call, uh, walking into that house. And again, as I talk about cops, we don't listen to what you say, we listen to what you do. And or I'm sorry, we look at what you do, body language and such. And that family, man, that, you know, the dad was standing on one side of the room and the, the mom and the daughter were on another, it, just the way they looked and, and interacted and reacted to each other. Like I, I just saw myself in that dad because he, he had so much regret on his face, 
you could just tell there was, and I don't know any details of their story. I don't pretend to have any idea of what happened or, or why it happened exactly in the background, but you could just tell that they were clearly resentful of him. He had so much regret. And I just saw myself in that dad, like, if you don't change something, that's going to be you. Not that my kids would do that, but I mm. just mean that's going to be your future with your family is the separation, the resentment, the regret. And again, I think that was God just flipping that f switch finally in me and showing me that that was going to be uh, what I had coming if I didn't change something. Those are uh, stressful, traumatic calls for service to go on almost all the time. But writing a book, so that's a that's a big jump there, right? Yeah, yeah, to man. Share yeah. where you're at and, and your thoughts and, and uh, emotions with whoever reads your book. Um, how did you come to that conclusion that, hey, I want to share what's in my mind with everyone else? And then uh, can you walk us through that process? I mean, writing a book, that, that's a big thing. Yeah, so the book was never supposed to come out. Uh, honestly, it wasn't even a book. Um, what it was, was I was a complete coward and I couldn't talk to my family about what had happened and the change. I couldn't, I, I am decent at writing. I can write down things and then I can edit them and change them and make them sound how they want. You know, I can't, if I just blurt it all out, it probably doesn't make sense. Kind of like maybe on, me on this podcast. I don't know. Hopefully not. But, um, being able to write, it was basically meant as an apology letter to my family. I kind of just did some subjects that are chapters in the book, kind of expanded on those a little bit wrote down what happened. I wanted them to know the change that happened in me. Um, and the thought was, give it to my wife. And then when the kids turn 18, give them a copy and sit down with them and be like, hey, dad, screwed up this, this, and this. And these are the issues that I had. And this, these are the issues you and your mom, my, uh, excuse me, me and your mom had and walk them through that and hopefully um, see where that led. But I ended up giving that to my wife and she's, you know, after her initial reaction and crying and our reconciliation of sorts um she said you need to give this to people and i was like i, I ain't giving this to anybody like I, i'm still a prideful man I'm a prideful cop i don't want people to know the background i don't want people to know what's going on i'm fine good whatever uh and she gave it to a few of her friends they enjoyed it and, and they aren't police related at all they're just believers and, and to go to our church and the reactions they had from a faith perspective of oh man this is kind of our family too sitting in church and we have these issues and what they shared with me out of that that we would have never known just because we shared or I shared our story um, made me convinced that I probably should at least write it out and give it to some people and see what they thought. So that's how it ended up being a book was just my wife convinced me to do it, um, but it was never meant to be that. It's amazing how many conversations aren't had because people just don't want to take the first step, right? So the fact that you were willing to say, okay, I want to write this and get it out there because maybe that'll start some conversations. That's That was really cool because, like you said, the peop people were willing to talk to you about it and open up and you learn more about their relationships. And that's that's really amazing that you were able to help start that. And even people that you probably don't even know, right? People who have read it and hopefully taken that to their families. And um, Yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard from police officers. Uh, it wasn't meant to be for police officers, which is strange. It was meant to be more for believers. Um, but I've heard from police officers all across the country that get a hold of me by, by email and by my website that say, hey, like I've had these events too. I'm going through this. Um, this is where I'm at. I can't tell anybody because I don't know them. I don't trust them. But you threw all your crap out there and now I know all your backstory. So now I'm going to do that for you because I need that as well. And if you look at the bridge too, I mean, that's a lot of our groups. That's how it starts, man. We'll sit down. We'll sit down in that big group and we'll be like, who wants to share? 
and everybody will sit there and they'll look at you and it's like, I don't know who I want to share. But as soon as one person does, as soon as one person gets that out there and everybody feels like, oh, they were vulnerable, they got that out there, I'm not the only one, then those dominoes just start hitting. It's a full yeah. Yeah, It's kind of crazy and ridiculous. So it's uh, it's worked out well for me and, and, and stories that I've got to listen to from a lot of, again, strangely police officers when it wasn't meant to be really a police book, but it's good to hear some some truth and some stories that people need to get out and aren't able to. So Chad, you you write this letter, right? This this apology letter essentially, and you give it to your wife and and you share it with your family. How long did it take for your family to start to see these changes in you and your relationship start to reform the way the way that you wanted it to be or the way right how you intended it to be? Well, that's still a process. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I, again, you'd have to sit down. We. Hillary and I have moved forward from it, but I don't know that we've taken a lot of time to sit down in detail and talk about the past and, and what she's seen. I mean, she cl- clearly has told me she's noticed changes, and we've talked about the changes that we're doing in the future. Um, but as far as a time frame, man, I, I don't know. It, I think it started more when, to be quite honest, the school resource, school resource officer gig I got, which I think was a gift from God at that point. Um, once I got into that positive environment and out of control, along with just being connected to God and being led by him at this point, those changes at home probably about six, six years ago, just started kind of a a progression. And again, I'm still there. Uh, I still kind of blow my top at the kids. Sometimes I'll still say things I don't mean. I'll still have expectations that aren't what they should be, but it's a process and it's getting much better. And I think, you know, even now my two boys are upstairs chilling, but my, my oldest son will look at the way I treat my youngest son and be like, wait a minute, dad, like, when I was that age, like that isn't how you would have reacted if I'd have done that. Like, and I, mm. I feel bad because I know, like I, I know, man, I treat I treat him differently because I'm a changed man. So, um, it's a process by all means, and hopefully, it just continues to progress. To be honest, and yeah. I think one of the biggest parts that leads to that change, right, is get, getting out of our own way and saying, okay, I'm going to allow you, God, to change me, right, by opening yeah. ourselves up and saying, okay. I'm going to get out of my own way. I'm not going to lead this anymore. I'm going to let you lead it and just let everything else fall into place. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. And right then, like you said, the dominoes just started to go boom, boom, boom. Everything just started to fall yeah. into place more and more. Yeah, I talk about it um, with the whole dad thing when I came home from that suicide. I mean, I, the the main message in the book is I gave up. And that's something we as cops, man, we're taught in the academy continuously. You don't give up. You mm. were always in the fight. You were always going to win. That's right. And I had to give up. I, I, I was on my knees in the closet, in the bedroom, crying. Like, I, I give up. I can't figure this family thing out. I can't figure out what's wrong with me. I give up to you, Lord. I'm dead. I died to self. And when you get scripturally into it, that's what the following Christ is all about, is giving up, dying to self, letting him fill you, lead you. But again, as we talked about with a cultural Christianity, I was just the, I'm going to church on Sunday, going to pay my money, I know all the things I'm supposed to do, and there wasn't that piece of giving up in it, which really is what changed me and actually is now changing my family. It's not me at all, it's just the Spirit of God in me, leading me, calling me on the carpet for crap that I'm doing, telling me the stuff I shouldn't be doing, and, and leading those relationships forward in whatever way He wants. So, But again, as police officers... Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Man, that's my message to everybody is you've got to give up. You've got you've to gotta let that go because it's good for work, but it's going to kill everything outside that day. That's right. That's, uh, that's, that's deep. I mean, there are probably a lot of people listening to this, uh, people that have read your book. You talk about people that send you emails and contact you. Um, for those people that are listening to our conversation right now that are questioning their faith, today as they listen to it or wherever they may be in their car, 
What advice would you give them? Um, you know, looking back, I have to admit, it's it's not it's a horrible place to be if you're thinking one thing and living the other. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me was to question what I believed and why I was doing what I was doing. Um, I don't think had I got not stuck in that police identity that I would have ever done it. Um, so I'm thankful. I think that's what God needed me to do to to change my mindset. Uh, and if you're questioning your faith, that's probably an awesome place to be just because it gives you a chance to reflect on why you do what you do, where you need to be, and who you need to be, and then kind of start with a fresh a fresh slate of your faith and not a faith that you got from somebody else, from your parents, from culture, from wherever you live, but breaking it down, just bottom level, starting out, Lord, what, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And letting it build back to something that you really truly believe. So if you're questioning, I think that's it's a, it's a horrible place to be at first, but it's also an awesome place to be because the future is, is bright with you being able to be confident in what you believe and why based on starting fresh and starting new. Chad, how can people purchase your book and, and learn more about you and how can they reach out to you? Um, I'm hesitant as a cop to put my phone number on a podcast, sure, obviously, sure, sure. but if you need help, by all means, or you want to talk to me, um, I have an account, chad.campese at gmail.com. Uh, my last name is spelled C-A-M-P-E-S-E. Uh, I also have a, a website, uh, it's christianfraud.com. Um, and on there, I have a lot of stories uh, from police officers, firefighters. I've got a nurse on there, some teachers, just people. We talk about we talk about the the give up perspective and what that moment was, where you couldn't fix it, your life was a mess, you needed to give it all up, give it to God. I do some interviews on there. It's just a blog, um, but there's a lot of stories on there if you ever want to check it out, just to, so you, you know you're not alone and people all across the country are having these same issues. Um, and I think the book is available. I told you on Amazon.com. I think that's it. Oh, and if, if you do want to talk to me over cell phone, Mick has my number, so he can give it to you if you need it. That's that's great. Um, I guess uh, as we sit here and talk, um, has your family uh, shared specific instances with you and kind of reinforced? Um, I know in your mind you say, you know, I gave up. I, I asked God for help, and... Um, let him guide my life. Um, aside from just the uh, comments from uh, one of your children, hey, that's not how you would have handled it if I did it. Yeah. Um, has your wife shared that she sees differences in you now? Then. Yeah, I mean, we again, the coward in me tries to avoid to talk about it at all costs because we don't want to look back and and see our failures and our the things we did wrong. Um, she has said that a few times, and she's also made it very clear that I'm not. You know, that's that's old Chad coming out. That's yeah, that's that's how you used to be, and I'll I'll notice it in myself sometimes with arguments that we'll have or or silence. We don't we don't argue. We just don't talk to each other. Is how we do it in our house. I don't know. We're not the throwdown kind of type. We just keep to ourselves. So, yeah, she has made comments that it's changing and it needs to continue to do so. Obviously, but that's a process. So, we're just holding on and, and letting him lead and see where that goes. Chad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and. Uh, help us learn more about, again, your story and uh, how you how you grew in your faith. No problem, man. I appreciate the invite. Guys, before we finish up here, we're going to do our praise of the day, as always. This one is from Tempe, Arizona, as a police officer won the title of Miss America, or Miss, uh, Miss Arizona, I'm sorry, Miss Arizona. Officer Candace Canavel said she plans to use her platform to build confidence in women 
and devotional and uh, develop situational awareness for uh, for women. So that is super super cool and uh, gets law enforcement out in the in the news a little bit. So congratulations to her on winning the title of Miss Arizona. Guys, that is all we have for you on this episode of the podcast, and we will see you next time.